Hey, welcome to the Unqualified Scholar Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about wisdom and this week's sermon. So last week it was the kids' service. And when staff told me, hey, on the fifth Sunday we do something special, we have the children in the service, I had two thoughts kind of running through my mind simultaneously. The first thought was, oh no. And the second thought that I had was, this could be a great opportunity to try and do something creative and fun and different to engage the children and at the same time to do a a sermon format or do something that would help the adults uh, engage and think about wisdom literature. So wisdom literature happens in a couple different places in the Bible. Um, Actually, it's sprinkled throughout. So uh, Proverbs are probably the, the key example of wisdom literature. And Proverbs are short, pithy sayings that help you realize the the well-worn path of a good life. Proverbs are important because we use them all the time. You know, uh, if you're going to be if you're going to be stupid, you'd better be tough. Okay, that's a proverb, believe it or not. And I realize that's kind of popular on TikTok right now. If you're going to be stupid, you better be tough. And what that means is that you can you can do dumb things, you know, um, you can do stunts on your bike, you can do all kinds of things, you know, from a childish perspective, you can climb trees, you know, but if you're going to climb trees that are rotten, and they're going to fall down, and you're going to have to use your health insurance, you better be tough, because nobody wants to use your health insurance. So the point that I was trying to convey this weekend is that wisdom is all around us. And that point is actually found in the Proverbs themselves. When you open up the book of Proverbs, you meet a character, you meet Lady Wisdom. And so what we tried to do in the sermon is I had my my children's director, who is a fantastic uh, woman who just really, she's expressive, she's fun. Uh, And so she came in as Lady Wisdom, and she read from the Proverbs um, and and kind of interacted a little bit. So here's what she started off with. Let, Let me do this. Let me pretend that I'm the children's director. Let me pretend that I'm Tracy. And so I'll come in as Lady Wisdom, and you see if you can hear a difference. Oh, good morning, everybody. I'm Lady Wisdom. I've already been busy today. Like it says in the book of Proverbs, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gates, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Wow, that that sounds like a full day, Lady Wisdom. How were you able to get all that done? Was there anybody out in the public square? Oh, I made some memes on Facebook first, and then I went calling through the streets. I talked to some some nice police officers, and I got a verbal warning to uh, to cease and desist. But I just can't stop. Well, I hate to stop you from calling out in the streets, but maybe for a little while I could talk about wisdom. Oh, certainly. I'll just sit down here and listen. Okay, so that's kind of... Uh, That's what we did, right? And wisdom is the kind of thing that we use all the time. These are the sayings of the wise. And what's really, like there are a lot of things about wisdom that I really love. Wisdom summons us to think hard about life. And it summons us to be humble, to keep your eyes open, to use your conscience, to use your common sense, and not to shrink back from the most disturbing questions. Wisdom applies common sense to the world that we live in. And so, you know, measure twice, cut once. 
That's the classic carpenter's wisdom, but it applies to a lot of different things. Measure twice just means think about what you do before you do it. How often, how much should you do that? Twice. You should think through something twice before you do it. Now, you don't want to get paralyzed by indecision, right? You don't want to be like, well, I, I probably ought to measure it again. And, well, I better measure it again. And, you know, eventually you're going to have to cut, you know. How about this one? Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. That's right. Horseshoes and hand grenades. Because if you get close with a horseshoe, you get a point. And if you get close with a hand grenade, you blow up the enemy. So good, good outcomes either way, right? A bad workman always blames his tools. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. All of these things are intended to teach us about the, the well-worn pathway to a life of success, to a life of uh, characterized by things that make sense. Buy low, sell high. You know, if you've ever been caught up in in the, the flurry of activity around an investment opportunity, uh, you might remember the Dogecoin rally where everything was, you know, going up and everybody was, you know, tempted to buy Dogecoin. I, I bought some. I made a little money. Um, <clears throat> and now it's back down to something reasonable like six or seven cents. So it was it was an artificial boom. Um, buy low, sell high. But when things start to drop even a little bit and you fear losing that investment, you might sell sell low and buy high. That's kind of how things go there. And so what we did in the sermon, we had Lady Wisdom come in and then I shared a story that the kids could kind of connect with. And so the first story was the frog and the scorpion. And I, I was uncertain. I was a little uncertain because... You know, the risk here is that I'm telling a, a fable, an ancient story that does have wisdom in it, but it's not from the Bible. Um, the frog and the scorpion. So here's the quick synopsis. So the frog and the scorpion is basically this. A scorpion goes to a frog and says, hey, take me across the river. The frog says, no, we'll get halfway across and you'll sting me. The scorpion says, no, I would never do that. You're my friend. I need a favor. How, why would I do that? And so they get halfway across the river and the scorpion stings the frog and they both drown. So that's a sad story. But what does it mean? Well, what it means is that, you know, you're you're going to act according to your nature. At least that's what the story is trying to convey. What I tried to pull out of that story is that wisdom is everywhere. Everywhere we look, whether it's your dad telling you how to work on a car or your mom's advice in the kitchen, there's all kinds of wisdom all around us. And that's what the Proverbs are trying to do. The book of Proverbs says, you know, Lady Wisdom is out there crying in the streets. Listen to me. Listen to me, you fools. And that's the lesson for all of us, that there is a well-worn path through life that is characterized by following and obeying the sayings of the wise. It's fascinating to me that it's not the knowing of the wisdom that's the problem. It's the doing of it. That's where things get difficult. How do I do wisdom? Now, the story, um, the story of the frog and the scorpion has an analogy or analog in the Proverbs. Proverbs 27, 6, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So, you know, what did the scorpion do? He multiplied kisses. What, did a, what does a friend do? You know, a lot of times we have this view of friendship that your friend will always support you in, in any decision that you make. But, you know, that's really not 
the pathway of discipleship. You see, the pathway of discipleship is to be a follower of Jesus. And Jesus set out certain things for us to do, to truly and earnestly love one another. But if you have a friend who is acting contrary to what Jesus calls us to, let's say someone who is gossiping or someone who is lying or someone who is, you know, just backbiting or not doing something right, what is a friend supposed to do in that circumstance? They're supposed to go and take hard words even, and they're going to confront their friend. That's what a friend does. A friend will confront another friend in a relationship of mutual respect and discernment and love. Hey, I think this is something that you should do differently. Well, a good friend will listen for understanding. A good friend will be kind. A good friend will consider where what you're saying leads them into a better relationship with Jesus. And so using your words carefully, you know, wounds from a friend can be trusted. If you're going to wound a friend, certainly you want to be careful. If you've ever had surgery, those are wounds. Uh, those wounds have to heal. And hopefully your surgeon is a good friend uh, and you can trust that his wounds will heal you. An enemy will just, you know, cut you up into pieces and leave you for nothing. So wisdom is all around us. And so um, one of the things that we tried to do in the sermon, you know, we get to a certain point and then Lady Wisdom comes back in and interrupts everybody. Wait, wait, wait. You're saying that wisdom is all around us, even in the stories we tell our kids? Yes, that's right, Lady Wisdom. You're actually not a real person. You're a literary technique called personification, where an abstract concept called wisdom is portrayed as Lady Wisdom. Oh, no, I'm real and I just love instructing the simple. Just like it says in the Proverbs, repent at my rebuke, then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. And you know, what I what I would respond to that is, you know, Lady Wisdom, you're kind of intense. Like you're really like you're gonna laugh at people when calamity overtakes them. But really that's wisdom's point. You know, wisdom is intended to be intense. It's intended to shake people out of the normal uh, everyday patterns that they've fallen into. Because if we don't cultivate good habits, then we will be characterized by bad habits. The same thing is true in our food choices. If you don't consciously make to if you don't consciously choose vegetables, it's so much easier to have cookies. I'm I'm a big, I'm a big fan of cookies. I'll be honest with you. And so, Lady Wisdom, you have no chill. Um, <laughs> do you remember the boy who cried wolf? And, you know, this is where, like in the sermon, we tried to, like, turn from this idea of, you know, repenting at rebuke and, and these, these very adult concepts, personification that Lady Wisdom isn't really a person. And we tried to bring it down into a story that the kids could understand. Do you remember the boy who cried wolf? Well, of course we do. The boy who cried wolf is in charge of the sheep. And so he goes, uh, he goes up to the pasture every day and he watches the sheep do sheep things. And then uh, he takes them home every night. And I very intentionally wrote this. I named the shepherd boy Shep. And I said, Shep would schlep 
sleepy sheep down the mountain and put them in the barn. If you've listened to this far, that one's for free. It's for my mom. Um, so uh, he, he cries wolf over and over, and the villagers decide that uh, he's not worth listening to anymore. And so what's the lesson of the boy who cries wolf? That liars are rewarded by no one trusting them. This is how liars are rewarded. Even if they tell the truth, no one believes them. Well, is there a proverb in the Bible about telling the truth? Oh my goodness, there are so many. Proverbs 17.20 is the one that really kind of fit the story really well. One whose heart is corrupt does not prosper. One whose tongue is perverse falls into trouble. Now, we didn't go through and exegete these different words, but if, if your heart, if, if the inner person, if the person that you are is not characterized by the habit of telling the truth, you will fall into trouble. And there are so many examples of this in life. You know, eventually the truth will catch up to you and eventually uh, people will not listen to you. Now, we, we might come up with some exceptions. Wisdom is great for that kind of thing. Well, you know, there's always that one guy. Yeah, but the one exception doesn't negate the generally reliable path that if you're untrustworthy, you will not be trusted when it counts. You know, if you tell your boss over and over that you're going to do something and you don't do it, well, that's a problem. If you tell your spouse that you'll take the trash out, this is, this is me. Yeah, I'll take the trash out, but then I forget. And so a lot of times what I have to do is either include it in a checklist. So at night when I close the house up, I lock the doors. I put, make sure the dog gets out for her final restroom break. And uh, then, you know, that's a good time to just, oh, you know what? I'm going to take the trash out right here, right now. And that way it's on a list of things. It's attached to what I'm normally doing. And so that way it gets done. That's, that's my thing, okay? If your life is characterized by not telling the truth or not reporting things truthfully, then before you speak, you may need to, to take a minute. You may need to count to 10. You may need to consider what's the most honest response to the question. James 3 in the New Testament also says this. James 3 verse 5 and 6 says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. So the Proverbs is a book of wisdom in the Old Testament. James is a book of wisdom. It's characterized by the sayings of the wise in the New Testament. And so what James is talking about is, wow, how much, <clears throat> how much damage can you do by wagging your tongue? Quite a bit. <clears throat> and so at this point in the sermon, so kind of stepping outside of, what, of, of the content and thinking about what happened in the room, the kids were really into the stories. Like we, I had a couple of them right in front, you know, center stage down front. And they were just, they were into it. They were like, yeah, stories, keep going. Um, and, you know, kids get it because kids are learning about the world around them and we're actively using wisdom in their lives. These are the stories that children get told when they're children so they can develop the habit of telling the truth. Have you ever caught your child in a lie? I'm actually pretty good at that. Um, so when our, kids were, when our kids were young, I would convince them that I said, look, you should probably believe that I already know 
what you've done. So what, what I want is I want to hear it from your mouth. And so they would tell me, well, I did this. And it might be that I didn't know about that. I knew about something else. And what else? Well, I also did that. Oh, okay. That's the one that I knew about. Is there anything else that you need to tell me? Well, and, uh, you know, with one of my kids, I got quite a bit. I got quite a bit of information, you know, because they had not developed the habit of telling the truth. And that's what a child, that, that's what a child is learning. They have to learn to tell the truth. And sometimes as a parent, you have to be harder on your kids than you really want to be because you're developing in them the character qualities they are going to need, not only as an adult, but also as a follower of Jesus. Because eventually they're going to have to be committed to the truth for themselves. And so then Lady Wisdom bursts back into the scene. Is it my turn again? Is it my turn? I just can't stop calling out to instruct the simple and help them be wise. If they don't listen to wisdom, they'll never listen to each other, just like it says in Proverbs. They will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes." From the waywardness of the simple, or for the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without the fear of harm. Um, so, I don't know. I find that this whole idea is ridiculous. I, I feel so silly right now. But. Uh, this is what we did in the sermon. So Lady Wisdom would kind of burst on the scene and she would read from the Proverbs. And what she's doing is she's bringing into the room what the Proverbs are doing in and of themselves. You see, that's what the Proverbs do. They, they're kind of bursting into the scene. This is Proverbs 1, 20 to, 20 to, 20, uh, um, 20 to 33. Um, and this is where the personified Lady Wisdom is bursting into the scene and she's saying, look, if you listen to me, you will avoid calamity. You will avoid death itself in the practical sense. We all know that everyone dies. Wisdom doesn't intend to tell us all the exceptions to all the different rules. But wisdom is the generally, the generally seen pathway to a successful life. And again, it's not the knowing of it. It's the doing of it. And so then the final story was the tortoise and the hare. You know, Harry the hare was fast. Uh, Tommy the tortoise was slow. And the kids, I mean, I asked them, I said, are you guys okay with one more story? Because I felt like maybe they would be losing interest. They were all in. They were like, no, tell us another story. And so we told the story of the tortoise and the hare. Now, there was a group of teenagers in the back left of the room that they were a little bit, they might have been a little bit tuned out, but that's that's teenagers, right? You, you can't get everybody. And so the tortoise and the hare is basically the idea of stick to, sticking to it. You know, that Harry the hare was fast, but Tommy the tortoise was dedicated. And the moral of the story is that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. This is just a this is just a reality in the world around us. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. I mean, you could think of any. OK, so I'm not a sports guy. Think of your favorite insert sport player here. You know, how hard does that guy work? There's a pretty good chance that uh, you're, you're whoever. Uh, okay, Matthew Brady. No, Matt, Matthew. I don't even know. 
there's a good chance that your favorite athlete is working out today and thinking about doing doing his thing because that's what he has to do because hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And there's a lot of talented guys in the NFL or the ABC or whatever it is, you know, and those guys work hard and they have coaches that push them to do more. You know, what I found is that uh, being pushed is a good thing for me. I need to be pushed from time to time to uh, to put content out, to make podcasts, even if my buddy can't show up to help me out, you know, to, to do those kind of things because hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. It's not enough to be talented. You also have to put in the work. Proverbs 21.5 says this, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. The turtle had a plan. He kept going. You know, when you have a plan, you can keep going and you can persevere and push and push and push. The, follower, the work of a follower of Jesus is to apply effort, not only to the Christian life, but also to the Christian mission. We're supposed to be obedient to the Lord, um, and we're supposed to push hard to connect with people, to reach out to people, to talk to people about the faith, to talk to people about our faith. And so speak wisdom to your kids. Talk about the Proverbs. They can understand probably far more than some adults because you can speak wisdom to an adult until, you're, until your mouth falls off and you're so, you're so tired of trying to tell them the right thing to do. They have to apply it for themselves. And so you're going to have to help your kids apply that wisdom. And life is a great teacher. When my children were little, my son came to me. He's 28 now. And he came to me and he said, Cassie, hit me back. Oh, he had tears in his eyes. He said, Daddy, hit me back. And it's like, you know, yeah, what we had told our daughter, because the, the boy, he was little, he was about two years old, and he was just kind of physically aggressive. And so we told Cassie, who was a little bit older, we said, look, if he hits you, you can hit him back and you won't get in trouble. This was a revelation for her. You mean I can hit him back and I won't get, no, you won't get in trouble. Because by the time we get involved, you know, we're late to the party. And so if you're going to be stupid, you'd better be tough. And the lesson is, hey, if you're going to hit people, they're going to hit you back. You know, what we wanted for both of our kids is that they never hit each other. But guess what? They're kids. And so you're going to have to give them practical wisdom. You're going to have to coach them. You may have to correct them even harshly. And one of the things I think is a good challenge for all of us is to not just read the Proverbs, but to, to memorize the Proverbs, to put some of these sayings of the wise into our minds and hearts and brains so that we can apply them when the situation requires. Um, Things like uh, the sayings of King Lemuel, right? Let's pause this for a second. There are things that the proverb says like this. The, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Well, I tell you, you could, you could help your kids memorize this and they'll be walking around. They'll call you out. Dad, a wise son makes a glad father. Oh, okay. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. There's a lot of good things here. There's a lot of things that we can challenge our kids with and to. And as they, as they achieve these things, as they accomplish these things, you'd be surprised how much your kids will call you out in wisdom literature.
So the sayings of the wise, the sayings of the Proverbs are intentional. Wisdom is crying out in the streets. It's all around us. If you're a parent or a grandparent, part of your job raising your kids and grandkids is to help them see wisdom. And to see wisdom means that we look not just in Scripture, although we should look in Scripture, but to also look at the world around us. That's what Proverbs does. It looks at the world around us and it says, hey, this is the way to a successful life. And so I hope you've enjoyed uh, this solo edition of the Unqualified Scholar podcast. Um, if you've made it this far, thank you so much. Uh, you can always subscribe. And I don't really understand podcasting yet, but I'm, I'm getting there. And so I hope you have a great day.